0: Evening from Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and then Matthew 22. So the slide should should tell you where we're going or where we are, but I wanted to tell you also where we're going. So first, Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four to nine. Hear, O Israel: The Lord our God, the Lord is one. and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now Leviticus chapter 19, verses 17 to 18. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance, or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 39. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I don't know what to say. Thank you, thank you for uh, putting up with me for forty years uh, and being gracious. Uh, especially the the few of you who are there around uh, from from uh, nineteen eighty three. Uh, I think back in those days with great uh, joy, but. My my thought is, what were they thinking? <laughs> it is, it's a you know true story? Um, they not a story; it's a fact. They had we had a church planner by the name of Dr. T. M. Moore, who was a very accomplished Bible scholar who had worked with Campus Crusade. Who was the author of um, the Evangelism Explosion material of Dr. D. James Kennedy. The scholar of the first order, and he came here, and uh, I was a, I was a, I was a summer youth director in Little Rock, and uh, anyway, TM and his uh, wife were here for eight months, and it didn't work out for whatever reason, and so I knew uh, Doctor Rick Canada, who was the president of Reform Seminary, who was a pastor in Little Rock, and. And uh, they were looking for someone just to do a summer internship um, while they found a qualified church planner. And the truth is, they couldn't find one, so they hired me. So, (laughs) that that is the honest truth. The 25 year old single guy um, came up here to be the church planner, and God is. uh, if anything has been accomplished for His uh, glory and His honor, it's, it's totally and completely uh, because of the grace of God at work uh, uh, in His church and the means. He, and reading reading those minutes, if you know me at all about being a Presbyterian, I I don't say this lightly, but Jay, reading those minutes brought tears to my eyes. It, it truly, did to think back on that time. So,
0: thank you. Where did you find those? <laughs> <laughs> how, how did you find those? I emailed Robert Browning, the State Clerk of Common. President, thank you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm, uh, I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> um, the. Um, the title of the sermon is "The Great Commandment." Um, I, I uh, confess a, a lack of a sermon preparation time coming back, so uh, you default to in those times uh, to what you know or you hope you know as a pastor. Uh, but it is related directly to our text this morning in First uh, John two seven through eleven. Uh, and so that was the idea to, to some of the leftover preparation that you have that you always go to, to cross references and text and you always have much more lying, lying around that you didn't uh, get across. But uh, the, the, the point of John's message is he's teaching an old commandment from the beginning that should be. A new commandment in a believer's heart and this, the the direct sign of a new heart is a desire to obey god's uh, commandments and jesus after entering into jerusalem uh, in the triumphal entry on the passover what does he do he immediately cleanses the temple we know that that's the first thing he did he drove out the money changers who were in the court of the Gentiles and then he sat down to teach and he deliberately uh, taught those things that were controversial in order to deliberately uh, provoke his execution he knew full well what he was doing for three and a half years he had avoided direct confrontations with the Pharisees in the sense of not allowing himself to be arrested, not to be brought up on charges, because he knew the result would what the result would be. And it was not until it was God's perfect timing, and Jesus himself is God, we have to always remember that, limiting his his deity by humbling himself, part of his humiliation. But when he does, when it's the time he tells his disciples deliberately what he is going to do. And he teaches uh, many things. I take uh, the text from Matthew. It's also in uh, Mark's Gospel, Chapter 12, and it's uh, also in Luke's Gospel, this uh, teaching of the Great Commandment. But if you just turn turn there in your Bibles and just flip back, you'll see that Jesus teaches a a series of parables, and they're all about um, confronting the Pharisees. The Triumphal Entries chapter 21, he curses the fig tree, which is a representation of, of the nation, of the theocracy of Israel. He, his authority is uh, challenged. He, he rebukes them for their lack of understanding of who he is. He tells a, a, a story of, of um, uh, Two sons, and and um, who, who won't go to work. One goes to work, and one then one changes his mind and goes to work and does the will of his father. He's all he's directing all of these. The parable of the tenants. He's he's accusing the Pharisees point blank of not fulfilling their responsibility to be the shepherds of Israel. Then he tells the, the parable of a wedding feast and the need to be prepared and uh, uh, one provocative uh, teaching after another. And then he's asked about the resurrection and he goes right to the division between the, Sarisees, uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees about the about the, the resurrection being literal. And, and all of these things he's uh, confronting them uh, directly. And so when the Pharisees heard how well he answered on the resurrection, a lawyer gets up to question him because he knows, it's not because he wants to know the answer to the question, because he knows this question is one of the most divisive questions in all of Judaism, how you answer this. One faction said the greatest commandment was to keep the Sabbath. You had to keep the Sabbath. If you didn't but meticulously keep the Sabbath according to the various sects, and then you were unrighteous. Um, some some uh, said it was uh, the resurrection. Who, what is the resurrection? Others had this uh, opinion on the greatest commandment. Others had another. And it was an it was another trap question for Jesus. However, he answers it. It will not be uh, the correct one. Except that Jesus, being who he is, the eternal Son of God, God incarnate, answers every question perfectly. And he answers the question with two verses from the law, the Torah. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4-9, uh, through 9, which is also known as the Shema, which means here. O Israel, Shema Israel, hear O Israel, there is the Lord our God is one God, and you you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. why we have it in our mission statement as I said this morning is why it's so absolutely vital uh, to have this always in our mind that our first responsibility is being for being created in the image of God and being redeemed by the love of God through Christ, what Christ did for us our first response is to love God with all of our, our being this is the most ancient This is the most basic, this is the most simple truth in the universe. We are called to love God. We are called not only to love God, we are called to teach our children diligently to do the same. uh, if you go on to read um, if you read verses four through nine, it talks about you when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, you divine them as a sign on your hand, there shall be as frontlets between your eyes, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house. Well, the Orthodox Jew then, and the Orthodox Jew today didn't take this spiritually. They took it literally. It talks about the phylacteries in the New Testament. Uh, this was incredibly driven home to me. Um, we were doing the tour things, and one of the tour things was the tomb of David, which is not probably not really the tomb of David, but it's close to where David was uh, buried. Um, and at every one of those holy sites in Israel, there, there are these rabbis and they um, engage in proselytizing all the pilgrims from whatever denomination. And our Jewish uh, tour guide, Boaz, uh, was trying to <coughs> herd us through there as quickly as possible because these factions among the Jewish people still exist. There's still the ultra-Orthodox, and then there's the Orthodox, and then there's the not-so-Orthodox, and then there's the completely secular. And they're constantly at odds with each other. And uh, the ultra-Orthodox rabbis are fully, they're, they're on welfare from the state of Israel. They don't serve in the army. All they do is sit at these various holy sites, including the tomb of David, and they, they study the Torah. And they do their form of proselytizing or evangelism. And our uh, tour guide Boaz—what a great name, right? For uh, tour guide Boaz, Boaz Cohen. I mean, you can't even <laughs> get <laughs> Jewish than yeah. Boaz, the priest, you know. And uh, so he's <clears> her <throat> through there, and he gets trapped because he is uh, somewhat observant, you know. Uh, But he's not, uh, uh, he would call himself orthodox. And and they just start harassing him. And me. (laughs) One God, one God, one God. Because he knows I'm a Christian, right? And what is the charge of the Jewish people to the Christians? You believe in three gods. No, we don't. I said, I believe in one God. I was trying to communicate with this this young man who was so zealous uh, for the law. But he shamed our true God, Boaz. So we'll let's see a picture. I got a picture of it. If you hang around for the slides, you'll see a picture of it. They made him bind the little law tablet to his arm and demonstrate to me and bind the little Ten Commandments to his head in order to demonstrate that he was a devout Jew. Jew. And he was really irritated as a result. I... I this command and this is what and this is what the pharisees were doing to Jesus and he was he was relentless in confronting the folly of man's religion because that is not what this scripture says this scripture is about a heart relationship with the living god the essence of a relationship with God is found in these verses and Jesus and this is why Jesus calls it the great commandment, the foremost commandment to love God with all of your being. This is the great and the first commandment. The second, he says, is like it. And it's from uh, Leviticus chapter 19. Um, there it is right there. I don't have to search in my Bible. You can't look at the heart. It's it's the matter of the heart. Someone wisely said, the, matter, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. It's not these external... Uh, shows a religion that matter to God what matters is a heart in Leviticus which is the most one of the most difficult books to read because it's all about sacrifices and all the bloody sacrifices and making them just right doing all of the purifications as you approach God with your sacrifice and having the priests and the Levites it's it's to the Levites, it's to the priests who offer the sacrifice to to make sure they understand that they are administering them uh, correctly. But in the the middle of the book, you have this this message. And you you, you almost think it's strange that you find it in the book of Leviticus. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbors lest you incur sin because of him, you shall not bear a grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then the reason, I am the Lord. You, you You are to love people as you love yourself. There's a reason the, the law of God. And he said, on these two, Jesus says in summary, these two commandments hang all of the law and prophets. Everything in the Bible are summarized in these two commandments. That is a profound uh, statement. And one we need to take to heart and apply. Again, in the uh, st- the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus ma- makes a claim. Makes a claim. Who's who's my neighbor? Oh, my neighbor is anyone in need. My neighbor is anyone uh, around me or close to me. I am. I am called to sacrificially show love uh, to everyone. The, and there you have the wave of the. The weight of the law is not being religious. I heard that a lot in Israel. I'm not religious. I hear that a lot today. I hear hear that from some people I deeply love. I'm not not religious. And I I don't want to respond glibly, but I always want to say, well, I'm not either. Religious is about what I do to bind myself to God. The gospel, which is what Jesus preached, is what God has done to bind us to him. And that's such good news. Because all of the religion in the world cannot bind us back to God. In fact, it does just the opposite. It it drives people away. And I saw so much bondage uh, in Israel, in Jordan, across the river, of people just trapped. And, and, and the sensitive person is, I, I'm like our, to our Jewish tour guide and our, our Muslim tour guide as well are sensitive to that. And because they did, their living depends on showing people the sights, they feel it more keenly. But there's a desperate need to do more than being t- toured. And that's why I'm so glad we're supporting Christian Witness to Israel. We stayed in this lovely uh, Christian-based hotel in Jerusalem called Christ Church. was an Episcopal uh, ministry that uh, does, from the Episcopal perspective, the same thing that Christian (laughs) Witness to Israel does. In fact, David Zadok, who is uh, with Christian Witness Witness to Israel, is also on the board of Christ Church uh, there. Uh, This incredible ministry, uh, evangelical ministry, we we were there on the Lord's Day, heard it, Tremendous uh, message from the word and application and seeing uh, the Jewish people come to faith in the Messiah there uh, as and, and a, a tremendous ministry uh, And it's the answer and I so I come back in terms of my own application and application to the life of the church More committed than ever that one of the key things that we can do the furtherance of the gospel not only in Israel and the Middle East and Jordan and, and Egypt and the other places that we know about the Christian community is double down on supporting those who share the gospel to the Jewish people because the word is very clear that the result of that of their turning to faith in the Messiah will be a blessing not only to them eternally, but to uh, the whole world. And so we come back to application for us. Uh, that's one. Uh, the other one is this is who this is what God has called us to. He's called us to a life of directing ourselves wholeheartedly to loving Him with all all of our being, heart, mind, soul. I think. Um, Deuteronomy says in Hebrew, heart, mind, soul, and strength. Uh, Some try to to ask if this is a, 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 are we a trichotomy or are are we made an image where there are four parts of our being? I I think think it's uh, trying to cut things too finely. I think it's just a metaphor for our whole life, our whole being. Everything that we are, we are to commit to him. We are to present ourselves, as Romans 12, 1 tells us, on the altar of God as a living sacrifice, which is our only reasonable response to the gospel. The only reasonable response to the gospel of grace that Jesus has saved us from death and hell forever is to offer ourselves fully upon the altar for his service. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would make it plain and its meaning to us tonight. And
0: fill us with joy for all you've done. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.